0: loves communism the leftist history and theory podcast where we do the reading so you don't have to i'm jamie peck
1: i'm aaron thorpe i'm jorge rocha
0: and together we are captain communism i don't know uh yeah oh you know what let's put the plug right up top the more you know if you like what you heard in this episode be sure to subscribe to either our fans fm or patreon Fans.fm/slash Everybody Loves Communism or Patreon.com/slash Everybody Loves Communism, because we need your support. That's right. Support f- support from listeners like you to ensure we provide radical left content that is independent and fun. We like to have fun. Also, be sure to rate us five red stars on Apple Podcasts <laughs> and even leave us a review if you feel so inclined. It'd be
2: pretty cool if you did. Oh yeah, they're 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 yellow stars, but you can pretend that they're red stars for us.
0: Yeah, or red and black stars for me. Yeah,
2: the, yeah the, red and black for Jamie. The, you know.
1: the, the red in your heart.
2: We, all, we the all. red in <laughs> the red of your blood. No, okay. leave um, us
0: five red drops of your blood.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Which yeah. I mean, Speak, speaking of blood, what is yeah, yeah, exactly? I was <laughs> going <say, laughs>
2: to I was going to say, yeah, exactly. Actually, what we're reading today, the title of it, that that would probably suffice. yeah.
0: Right, so yeah. let me uh, let me introduce, let me introduce this thing, shall I?
2: Yeah, I wrote yeah. a little
0: thing about it, so I'm yeah. gonna read it. So it. this episode, if you could not tell from the title that we're gonna give it, is about the infamous and polarizing and perhaps very overhyped 2013 essay by the writer Mark Fisher, "Exiting the Vampire Castle." Very confusing for me as someone who loves vampires and wants to be one. That the vampires are not good in this essay, but we'll get into that. In a are minute.
2: they ever good? Don't they like drink blood and kill people?
0: Oh my god! You got to listen to my side series <laughs> with Leslie. We talk all about it.
2: Oh yeah, you do have a side series with us, with Leslie, which is Actually also, also called, also called- <laughs> yeah, <exactly. Empire> <laughs> Castle,
0: <laughs> which I thought would be you know. It, obviously, it's actually about, you know, vampires, real, well, I don't know if they're real vampires, but, you know, <laughs> literal, literal vampires. Literal vampires, uh, yeah. I also thought it would be, Leslie and I both thought it would be a fun troll on, like, the worst people who really like this essay, because whatever you think about the essay itself, you have to admit it has been used and picked up by some of the worst assholes on mm. the online and media left. hmm if not the IRL left, I feel like it's kind of marginal there, but we'll get to that too. Um, so I looked up a little history of this essay. Um, the, I don't know. Do I call it an essay? It's, it's really a blog post. It's a blog yeah. post about Russell Brand. That's it a was, long co- tweet. <laughs> it's a very, it's a long form tweet. It's what Elon Musk is trying to bring back to Twitter. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. So this article blog post, whatever it was commissioned in the publication, the North star by a group of editors, Now, according to friend of the show, C. Derek Varn, at least or at least a friend of me and Paul's. I don't know if you guys know him. Mm. Doesn't matter. (laughs) He's a nice guy. I don't agree with him on everything, Um, but he was I didn't even know that he was involved. But according to him, at least two of these people who edited, I don't know why it had needed to be edited by that many people. I feel Mm. like. If it really was edited by that many people, it maybe would be better, but that's okay. Um, at least two of these people have since gone over to the far right, which is sort of interesting. Um, mm-hmm. The other two are Varn himself, whose politics are very, very tough to pin down, but I might peg him as some kind of left com. I'm sure he'll have things to say about that or maybe not. I don't know. And Jody Dean who Varn calls a Stalinist, I'm gonna be more comradely here and say Marxist-Leninist, member of PSL. So, you know, take that however you like. Um, It's worth noting that Fisher himself did not claim to be a Marxist, at least later in his life. Um, I think partly as a result of some conversations that came out of this essay. But um, it's also worth noting that Fisher was associated with Nick Land, guy Named like Nick Land, who has since become sort of uh, an influential figure on this bizarre, stupid corner of the alt right known as the Dark Enlightenment. So that's a woozy, uh, to be honest.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) What'd you say? Oh, that's a woozy of an association, to be honest. But you know, yeah, we we all gotta look
0: into it further, right? Mm Because it's like it doesn't necessarily mean that he believed the same things as Nick Land, but you know, it is a little sus. I do know a little bit about
1: those people, and I think it's just. I mean, like, the kernel of those beliefs were there when they were, like, in the same uh, university, I think, as grad students or as mm-hmm. lecturers, and I think it's just... Nick Lange just kind of just lost his mind a little bit, but I don't think that's fair. I think he just had a complete change of opinion. Um, although, yeah. he, he also lost his mind, but the thing is, I think is also the change in beliefs are are real, um, but I don't know if uh, it's totally fair to, to claim that uh, uh, the association is... It, it, the association is there, but... I mean, I don't know if it's, like, a reflective of Mark Fisher, though.
2: I mean, ask, yeah. for anyone listening, like, you could just forget the people's names. Just ask yourself who you've been friends with in high school or some shit mm-hmm. or even in college. And then five years later, you mm-hmm. find out that this person is a monster, you know, or has yeah. done horrible things. You know what I mean? But also, I wanted to just make an offhand comment that I these guys have the corniest names for their, like, the Dark Enlightenment my <laughs> like god man these guys are such fucking nerds i mean i'm a nerd but jesus christ dude it's,
0: i like to call it the endarkenment The endarkenment. Yeah, it's, right. it's, it's a bunch of
2: that's what happens when i walk into a room the endarkenment motherfucker you, you know the you know
1: the <laughs> enlightenment you know that that shining beacon of values that have have only good consequence in the world what if we made it evil
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep Pretty much. I mean, you haven't even heard the silliest name of all, or maybe you have, which is Mencius Moldbug. But I digress. I
1: mentioned Mencius Moldbug later, but we'll get to it.
0: Oh, great. So, yeah, Uh, not his fault who he was friends with in college. But I do think it is interesting that such a motley crew was affiliated with this essay. Um, so Mark Fisher had a pretty long history as a leftist theorist. I think his greatest contribution is probably the book Capitalist Realism, where he talks about the impossibility of late capitalist subjects imagining a different world system following the fall of the Soviet Union. Now, Fisher struggled with depression his whole life and tragically committed suicide just four years after he wrote this essay. Um Very sad fact. But that doesn't mean we cannot discuss it on its merits. So in this essay, Fisher points to a problem that he perceives on a certain corner of the left, or the British left, which is the milieu in which he's operating. Um, He doesn't define who he's talking about that well, but I think it's mostly the sort of overlapping online and academic left. Um, He uses... a. He uses a few examples uh, to illustrate what he's talking about, namely how these folks sort of tore down the leftist TV presenter, Owen Jones, for I'm not sure what exactly. uh, But the primary object of focus is how they treated Russell Brand, the famous actor who famously went on British TV and sort of owned this uh, stuffy, you know, Uptight PMC Prig presenter. What's his name? Jeremy Paxton, I think. Paxman. And Pax Paxton. Yeah, if
2: it's, pa- if it's even weird. Pa- David more Pac-Man. Thing. Pac-Man.
0: He, he talked to David Pac-Man uh, <laughs> about his politics. No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, some similarities, but we'll get to that. And the thesis is... We'll also get to what Russell Brand actually said. This is, you know, some of my critique is like, maybe it wasn't as impressive as uh, Mark Fisher thought. But the thesis, the core thesis here is that, and what he refers to as the vampire castle, which again is confusing because I think vampires are cool, uh, but you know, folks may disagree, that there's this kind of moralizing and identity focused call out culture that he believes to be damaging and counterproductive to the left. So well, I, I really don't think this was his strongest work, I think I've found a lot more value in other things he wrote. Uh, this essay has really had quite a life since it was written, um, being taken up by what I might call the class reductionist left, um, some of whom Self-identify as Marxists like Adolf Reed and certain kind of post trot formations in DSA and elsewhere. And other people who straight up don't identify as Marxists like Angela Nagel and maybe some other nefarious figures. So uh, it's a lot a lot of interesting shits going on. But uh, I wanted to turn it over <laughs> to Aaron to see if there's anything I missed mm-hmm. in this very brief introduction. And maybe give his take on the essay. Because I know, Aaron, you've read the most Mark Fisher of any of us.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I haven't read, I haven't read, like, more more than, like, probably most people. Uh, especially for somebody who, like, like really likes Mark Fisher, like Capitalist Realism or Ghosts of My Life. But, um, so, this is, like, I don't know how many times I've read it now. This is, like, maybe, like, fifth or sixth, maybe. I could read it every now and then, but um, after this most recent rereading uh, for this episode and talking to Jorge earlier today, I do have some newfound criticisms. But I do think that his central claim about—and actually, I should, I should actually put a criticism forward first because I think this contextualizes the piece and maybe makes it a little bit— um, Uh, controversial is that he does kind of he conflates liberals in the left right like he conflates the anti-capitalist left I think with like left liberals liberals or even so-called progressives but I do agree with his central claim that uh, sensible leftists are co-opting radicalism I agree with this assessment that uh, the left also can adopt liberal identity politics and moralism and most of all And this is his argument in Capitalist Realism as well, uh, is that neoliberalism aims to strip the discussion of class from discourse. Um, But yeah, like I mentioned, I do think that there is this conflation of the anti-capitalist left and progressives. Um, Although we'll get into it, although I do think that that sort of uh, that onus may partially be on the left or the American left, the Western left in this case. Although, you know, nobody can deny that, like, the ruling class and capitalist ideology for, like, decades, right, has just crushed the left, right? So, um, also, I do think that his claim, and we'll talk about it, his claim is weakened by the fact that he refuses to name names. And uh, in the opening, before he sort of gets to the laws of the Vampire Castle, he talks about someone who was going after Russell Brand on Facebook you know, and he doesn't say, it's fine if you don't want to say who, but I mean, even talking about which organizations or which individuals are these posh uh, faux leftists, right? Uh, He doesn't name any names. And I feel like, I don't know, man, like if you want to make a point, you know, and you want to uh, diagnose an issue, it's probably good to uh, uh, point some fingers, right? And uh, I didn't like, we'll talk about this again too, but I just don't like him continuously trying to praise Russell Brand. I mean, he tries to make this case about identitarianism and about rejecting identitarianism while also sort of praising brand for his particular brand if you if you will um of of you know like his working class upbringing and it's like well russell brand is very clear that his working class upbringing is part of his appeal and you know me adding to this is part of his appeal within the spectacle right like it's it's very he's very much aware Of the kind of roguish Kind of rugged Working class ambiance that he gives off And that's what makes him controversial And attractive to some people So it's like Anyway, Fisher kind of praising him Is very weird Especially given that You know, class consciousness Is not about individuals, right? And um, lastly, before I let uh, Pass it off to uh, Who's going next? Jamie, I guess Uh, uh, I think that you know, more than anything, Mark Fisher, or if you have, if you read, if you read this essay and you feel exactly as he does, especially in the beginning when he talks about being kind of fatigued and exhausted from being online and being on left Twitter and wanting to disengage from politics completely, you you should probably log off, right? Like, I mean, it's not real life, you know what I mean? Like, There are scores and scores of people. The majority of people are not on Twitter. The majority of the working class is not on Twitter. Um, I don't think that anything productive is going to come from social media um, for the left or for the working class. So how much does it really matter to focus on this, especially with the online left? Uh, In real life spaces, though, yeah. Uh, I can agree with uh, some of his assessments. So uh, I guess I'll pass it off to Jamie then before we... uh you know, let you guys give your takes. Then we get into it a little bit more.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I agree with everything you just said, Aaron. Mm -hmm. Love to agree. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think a lot of this discourse that, you know, he's referring to is sort of an elite discourse on Mm -hmm. either side of it. If you Mm -hmm. look at, you know, Fisher was an academic. He was a media guy. Uh, And, I believe he did have a somewhat working-class background. Correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, but um, you know we understand that class is not something that you are just born with, and that mm-hmm. stays with you for the rest of your life, no matter what else you do. You know, class. Is, we are, we are we're Marxists here. We understand class to be uh, a social relation determined by your position within capitalism. At this particular moment. But um I'm gonna go through my points one by one and see uh and then Jorge will get a chance to see what he we'll see what he so, thinks so, about so, all this. So Aaron, uh, are you
1: done talking about like your take or
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna I have more I have more um like I have more uh notes that I have, but I'm gonna save them for the group discussion though, because I don't want to monopolize on the time. I want you guys to give your takes first so we can have a, you know. Sounds good. So I'll save those stuff.
0: All right. Yeah. Let's, uh, we can also like write shit down like people do when they're having a debate. Even though this is not a debate, we're just vibing.
2: We are are vibing, but I think this is going to be a good discussion because I like it the most. Jamie, you're kind of like, eh, and Jorge hates it. So this is going to be good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say that's a, a pretty good assessment. So, so let's see here. We're... Do I begin? So I will agree with something that I agree with. I'll begin. Did I say I'll agree with something I agree with? Jesus Christ! (laughs) Going, going great. My womb is wandering. I think it's uh, up in my brain right now. So if I say anything stupid, um, I'm just gonna you know, pull the woman card and blame it on my womb. <laughs> oh, God, I feel like I fucked up already. Not all women have wombs, okay? I know that. <laughs> but this one does.
2: <laughs> Jamie, you're engaging in identitarianism. Ah, Chill shit. Out.
0: Ah, shit. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, let's go. What I agree with. Um, left-wing class consciousness, which is to say, you know, a working class consciousness that takes on an anti-capitalist character, even a communist one, uh, that's not going that well and we need all the help we can get. So I get it. You know, he saw a famous guy on TV speaking in fairly broad terms about class politics Mm -hmm. and he got excited and he's like, you know what? This is why we can't have nice things. All these people are just lining up to think of reasons why he's actually a piece of shit. And you know what? I get it. Uh, This is the same reason, okay, that I'm happy about folks like Bernie and AOC being around and talking on the television, you know, even if I don't agree with them on the specifics of their analysis or on the solutions, you know, class consciousness is so low in this fucking country. Uh, Class exploitation has not been part of the conversation for so long. Uh, People are much more likely to identify in cultural terms or as part of identity groups, which is, you know, also valid, but we also need to think about class. Uh, anyone with a major platform who's talking about economic inequality, and you know, even in brand's case, at least like some vague gesture towards the need for revolution, this is probably helpful in some way on some level, right? Like I'll take what I can get. But you know, when you dig into what brand actually said, It sounds a lot like old labor, or in America, this kind of New Deal style social democracy, or what we now refer to a lot as democratic socialism. Quote, he said, a socialist egalitarian system based on the massive redistribution of wealth, heavy taxation of corporations, especially energy companies, dot, dot, dot. I'm cutting cutting some things out. The whole concept of profit should be hugely reduced, and the system, he's talking about the system we have now, Does not address these ideas. And that's why he doesn't vote. And he says that's why a lot of regular people don't vote. The system, Um, man. He also says,
1: hmm? The system, man.
0: Yeah, it's the system. Mm. He also says he thinks there's gonna be a revolution, but I think he's more talking about like the Bernie Sanders political revolution. And I think we have some evidence for that. I mean, also, he says a ton of shit and he's kind of all over the place in a lot of interviews that I've looked up with him. Uh, he's more of a provocateur, I would say than any kind of thought leader, but, Mm. but he did register to vote for the first time when Jeremy Corbyn was running and he very much supported Corbynism and advocated it as a solution to all these problems that he named. So, uh, you know, I'm willing to admit a lot of the excitement that I felt and feel and that maybe Mark Fisher felt about these figures was born out of desperation, right? Lack of real power. By the anti-capitalist left, Uh, we're going to grab onto any shred of hope we can. Um, Also, I should note, um, I was kind of annoyed by the part of the essay where he takes anarchists, quote unquote anarchists, to task for not appreciating what the Labour Party used to be so, you know, maybe Fisher's not really a communist. Wait, to
2: be fair, to be fair though, Jamie, he did say in the neo-anarchy, the UK, he did specifically say that, I have it right here, he's not talking about, like, he mentions, like, certain groups that he's not talking about. He says that he's not talking about the Solidarity uh, Federation um, that are actually involved in organizing. He's not talking about left anarchists or syndicalists. He's talking about people online that, like, that are armchair radicals, or even maybe the ultra-left, the, yeah, like, you know... Yeah,
0: It's a weird slippage of the term, for yeah. sure. But yeah, yeah, um, it's, it's
2: it's unfair. It's uncharitable to anarchists. You probably shouldn't
0: use but, that term, sure. But, you know, I think who he's referring to is people who are making the same critique that I am making right now, you know, that you're not... We're not going to vote our way to mm-hmm. socialism or even social democracy, uh, as if, you know, turning turning the Labor Party back into old labor, or turning the Democrats back into, like, the party of FDR, you know, even if that was possible at this point, that holds any solution to the problems posed by modern capitalism, right? We're not just trying to bring back higher wages and strong unions, you know. We're not just trying to raise taxes on the ruling class, uh, like AOC wants to do. You know, we want to abolish class itself as a category in the world. So... Uh, On on those grounds, I really disagree with uh, some of these some of these solutions that he seems to be advocating. Mm. So another thing I agree with. um, Let's see. We've all seen a lot of examples of call out culture on the part of ostensible leftists. You know, a lot of these people are actually liberals, but I've seen leftists, too. Um, It becomes sort of a circular firing squad online. Mm. And it is. Generally, because they don't really have the power to do anything else. So you can say this is a mostly online problem. And, you know, from my experiences in an actual socialist organization, I somewhat agree. Uh, We've all seen DSA people being messy online, but um, like how would DSA or any socialist organization deal with someone showing up, you know, maybe someone like Russell Brand, who's got some of some really good ideas, but then he starts calling me darling, you know, he refers to women as birds (laughs) or like broads or whatever. It kind of, that would kind of rub me the wrong way. Like when he says in the interview, oh, why'd you guest edit this magazine? Oh, a beautiful woman asked me to do it. It's like, all right. (laughs) All right, man. Maybe that's a little sexist. Um, but like the way we deal with that in organizations is not a call out. Generally speaking, it's something called a call in. We're like, Hey, that thing you said was a little bit sexist and his response. Okay. So here, this ties into my, is this actually a real problem question? Right. Because, you know, he's like, Oh no, the way they're treating Russell Brand is so bad. Calling him sexist, whatever. He actually did get called out. He got I I guess it wasn't really a call in, but he did comment on this and he was very, uh, he's very open to this kind of criticism in an interview with Betty Hassan. He said, I don't think I'm sexist, but I remember my grandmother, the loveliest person I've ever known, but she was racist and I don't think she knew. I don't know if I have some cultural hangover. I know that I have a great love of proletariat linguistics, like darling bird. So if women, th- by the way, you know, sexism is not limited to the proletariat. Um, guys do it too. Um, he says, so if women think I'm sexist, they're in a better position to judge than I am. So I'll work on that. So I'm like, yep, yeah, great. Like he doesn't seem like he's that pissed off about it. So why is Mark Fisher that pissed off about it? He's like mm-hmm. open to this critique, but, um, But I I don't know, like to the degree that our cause is helped by encouraging regular people to join a leftist organization, maybe this outsized mm, platform that call out culture has in the discourse, which people may or may not distinguish from the IRL left, maybe that has an impact. I'm not 100% sure how much, but maybe more than than none at all. Let's see, another thing I disagree with that he says is, yeah, his concept of class here is not very materialist. And like I said, this makes sense because he later admits that he isn't a Marxist and he does not describe to the Marxist definition of class as one's position within the economy or, you know, not just one, if we want to be real Marxist about it, but, you know, a large, large group's position within the economy. So... He identifies Brand as working class, um, and he's basically doing class as identity, right? And this gets a little muddled because if we want to be Marxist about it, you know, an actor is probably a worker. He just gets paid a lot more than other workers, but, you know. When
2: When you add in celebrity culture, though, and your proximity to, like, you know, like, not to cut you off, Jamie, just like, it probably, that's, I agree with you, like, I don't want to say Russell Brand is the proletariat, you know what I mean? Just like he's a celebrity, you know, not even a millionaire, but I mean, he has access to people that you and I and 99.9% of people will never have access to, you know?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a little different, I would say. Mm. Um, but Fisher thinks of class as something that he's is artisan. solely defined. Mm-hmm.
1: He's an artisan, if anything.
0: Yeah, he's petty bourgeois. Mm. Let's, let's leave it at that. Mm. Uh, but Fisher thinks class is this thing that's really defined by the family you were born into. Right. How much money you had when you were growing up. And that follows you throughout the rest of your life. And that is definitely real like people can change their class position, but retain certain cultural markers of how they were raised. You know, maybe a working class person makes it in the parliament and it's decorated like private school and they don't feel comfortable there. Like, you know, people who went to private school would. But uh yeah, it's not, it's not very Marxist, but also, uh, as Varn has pointed out, you know, we got to remember the UK has more remnants of feudalism, feudal society than the US does when mm. your class was absolutely an inherited thing. You know, my father was a tailor. My father's father was a tailor. And that's I'm why our surf. last names are Taylor. <laughs> yeah. or <laughs> like generations of serfs going back to antiquity. So, you know, I guess it Maybe it holds more weight in in England. I don't know. Um, Another thing I disagree with, though, um, which is tied into his lack of materialism, I think. You guys can tell me if you think I'm right. Um, So as far as I can tell, the solution that he wants to propose to these problems is for everyone reading it to sort of police themselves and how they behave on social media to not be classist and to you know view other people with kindness and you know it it has kind of gone wrong kind of gone off the rails because people have sort of used this essay at, in like a reverse vampire castle way to kind of beat down and uh, and attack anyone who's like wants to talk about race or gender in relationship to the anti capitalist movement but um, yeah I think the solution is a very individualized and liberal concept itself, right? Like, like the liberal concept of anti-racism, you know, ironically enough, where everyone just has to pay attention, do better, work on themselves, right? Um, But the only people who are gonna do that are the people who are already kind of on board and it's not something that is being done collectively as a group. So, uh, I don't really know how helpful it is. Um, also, okay. I saved the biggest one for last. Uh, I disagree with this idea that identitarianism is necessarily at odds with building working class power. Now I don't no, like he kind of backs away. He says that's not what he's saying, but certainly a lot of the people who have picked up the banner of this essay uh, do believe this—that um, you know it's a mistake if we want to talk about uh, you know race, gender, all these other things, how they interlock with uh, class exploitation. Uh, oh shit, Maddie's coming home. <laughs> I'm podcasting, babe. Um, uh, it's, it's a mistake, right? Like Aaron's talking about how easily co-opted these identitarian things are by the liberal establishment, right? For ends that are anything but liberatory. I mean, you can look at how the democratic establishment used it to beat down Bernie Sanders. Uh, you can look at it uh, in a lot of different circumstances, but you know, just because it is possible for these concepts to be co-opted. Uh, and by the way, you know it's also totally possible for class politics to be co-opted in this way if you look at you know the history of conservative business unionism in this country or even just like the populist rhetoric used by every politician, um, but he doesn't really talk about that. Um, they they conclude, right, that that's the only thing that will ever result from focusing on these, you know, identitarian oppressions. But that is really not that different from the right-wingers who look at corporations who are trying to be woke or whatever to sell more product and conclude that these corporations and their leaders are somehow communists trying to undermine the very system that made them rich for some reason. Like, it doesn't make any sense. So, you know, I think there's a good version of identity politics or... Whatever you want to call it, because um, I realize that's a loaded term, where we incorporate them as good Marxists into our material analysis that looks at every element that's propping up this system. And I would argue if you don't look at those things, you're going to miss a whole lot of really important shit. And if you're trying to overthrow capitalism, you know, you really can't be missing things that are that important. Like, for instance, um, white supremacy has been a huge, huge obstacle to working class solidarity throughout U.S. history, as has the fear of workers coming in from other countries. And, you know, that's bad. Like our friend Jay Firestone said on an episode of the Antifada, when white workers throw around slurs, they're playing with fire because that kind of racism has historically been used to suppress working class movements and working class power and working class solidarity. Um, If you want to look at gender oppression, it is also tied in with how the system works. Um, I mean, we can have episodes about it, we have in the past and we'll probably have more, Um, like these, these essentialist tropes about what's in a woman's nature, right? The system helps itself to a lot of free or underpaid labor on the part of women Uh, disproportionately women of color, if we're talking about waged labor in order to produce the commodity known as human labor power, which is necessary to the functioning of capitalism and, uh, the socialist feminists who look at this, call it social reproduction theory. Just another example of how we need to consider these things if we want to, you know, have any chance of (laughs) fucking winning, um... Or to look at one very basic example, and this is the last thing I'm gonna say in my little monologue portion. Um, You know, nobody should be a slave, right? Boom. That's a universal principle. It just so happens that the people who it impacts primarily are, you know, racialized a certain way by the system. And it's not a coincidence, it's in a way that upholds the system. So pointing that out, I don't think is essentializing. Um, these are categories that the system created, you know, they might not be real. Like there's no biological basis for race, but it is created and recreated by the system every day. And if we ignore that, we are missing out on a whole lot of really important stuff. And that's what I have to say about that.
2: Word. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll save the rest of my, uh, my stuff for, uh, after but um, One thing that you said Jamie that uh, I really do agree with is his conception Of class is not very materialist Like he talks about Russell Brand As if like like His proletarianism is going to follow him Throughout his life regardless Of what opportunities Are presented to him or regardless of like What he actually does to make a living You know um, And that, 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 that really rubbed me the wrong way The way he continues to go up on about that And uh, yeah also too like you know, you made me think of this, right? Like, how much d- does this really matter, you know? Uh, it seems like a lot of this is just, like, online, and the majority of workers and people in general are not online. So, um, yeah, what would it look like if Russell Brand actually joined a socialist organization, you know? I mean, he's a provocateur, as you said earlier, right? So, um, but yeah, I... Uh, oh, yeah, and also, too, about bringing back Corbynism or bringing just basically a political revolution. I mean... On the one hand I do think that well you know local elections you know your city council um you know maybe your school school board like yeah I do think that like in some respects you know bourgeois elections can if not actually provide anything materially for people at least like present an argument but um it's not enough to just say like yeah we need to go back to like well I guess like why well, be the dem for the United States to be the democrats in like the 40s or the new deal coalition you know uh uh uh, Fisher is talking about, uh, the, uh, so this Corbynism, we're going back to the social democracy of the Labor Party, but yeah, I think we're too far gone for that. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with mostly yeah. everything you said. I do. Great. Wow, want get into great. It.
0: Yeah. And I will also add, like, there are communists who care about electoral politics, Jorge is one of them, mm-hmm. but as a communist tactic, right, their end game is not, I mean- Correct me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but I'm pretty sure their end game is not just, you know, having slightly more progressive policies and more progressive people in office in the system, right? It's only step one of a many step plan that ends in global fucking communism.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah, that was a very um, new, both of you had some nuance, some positive, some negative uh, uh, positions on this essay. I will not be. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be a, a strap yourself in because it's going to be spicy in this in, 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 in this
2: podcast because I'm going to be a real hater right now.
0: Wow. Hey, did you guys know that Jorge's low key, a really huge hater?
2: Is Jorge's a hater hating on a dead he, guy. That's he up,
0: seems man. like such a sweet, sweet guy at first. <laughs> and then you get to know him and you realize <laughs> he's just very tactical about how he corrals Stores and deploys his pure, pure hatred. <laughs> it's in his heart.
1: I mean, that's the first step to becoming a communist, right? Is being a hater. Being a hater you, gotta, right. you gotta have hate in your heart, pure hate in your it's, heart towards the system, capitalism, that's right. for you to then become uh, what we are now as Marxists. I mean, I'll be fair, I'm gonna be nice. Uh, I was I'm much, um, I, so as a, uh, there Aaron mentioned earlier. I did not like this essay. I really didn't like it. Um, mm. But I read it. I read it, and I've since have like been become been calmer in terms of how much I dislike it. Still, really dislike it. But um, I'll I'll be a bit I'll be charitable. I'm I'm joking in a sense of uh, I'm not gonna be charitable or nuanced. But <laughs> I think. But my position is actually that I think that this essay totally misses the mark of what he, uh, what Fisher claims is, is an actually existing, quote, savage left, and this is in quotation from the essay, mm-hmm. creating an, quote, atmosphere of snarky resentment. Um, I'll be charitable and say I don't think this essay is meant to be some theorization on a potential political strategy. I think if, if it is, then I think it's even more wrong, but I don't think that's, like, the intention of what uh, Fisher is kind of, like, you know, it's a blog post. It's basically a diatribe against those he views as mistaken, as well as a personal investigation of his own feelings on the matter. Um, I will say this is my first time reading Mark Fisher. Um, I am a bit surprised that this is the content of this essay that everyone talks about. Um, And I don't mean that in a positive way. Uh, uh, But we'll get into it. But I have six concrete criticisms I have towards this essay. Forks, four exegetical basically of the argument in the text itself and then two historical criticisms that uh in the consequences of this essay and the first one is basically is this motivation the motivation that Fisher has and we kind of just talked about it right now but in writing this essay is the left particularly the online left quote mm-hmm. Needs to learn or relearn how to build comradeship and solidarity instead of doing capital's work for it by condemning and abusing each other. End of quote. The intention is absolutely well-meaning, and I mean that every sense of the definition of the word well-meaning, meaning that there does need to be more comradeship and solidarity in this, you know, Anglo left, the UK, the US, Canada, uh, definitely parts of parts of the left globally that are some of the weakest in the world, um, but. Just proclaiming the need to do so and the way that he does so, I would argue, is counterproductive. The immediate question, if you're experienced, if you're a Marxist, if you're someone who's been in the organized left, when someone asks you should do something towards somebody, particularly among the left, well, you know, at least for me, the question one might ask is, well, comradeship and solidarity towards whom? Who's, like, when people say left unity, I'm like, well, what do you mean by left and you need of who right are we are we, are we in community with each other? do we share membership in, in an organization if we aren't well then how is that possible? concretely like without institutional and organizational mechanisms you know, i was I, I was discussing with people earlier about this uh, with uh, Jamie and Aaron and also other people about this essay. but if you think about it concretely, so someone online says a criticism and the criticism that, that someone brings up could be valid, or could not be valid. But point being is like, well, if you don't know this person, well, then how how is how can you possibly be properly called in, right? There's just a person you know on you saw online. You don't, and and given the way that how atomized our society is, why would you take it very seriously? I, I just don't see how. That 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 exists. So that's why I I view I view this portion as like deeply idealist and lacks a material basis for existing, and leads and kind of leads into the second criticism. But you know a little bit before going to the second criticism, it's basically like it, it it we have to recognize that we live in a very atomized and individualist society. So we have to then overcome that. But we'll get into it, which is the second which is for all this poo-pooing and about moralism and, quote, petite bourgeois you know, mannerisms without pointing to specific concrete examples said by real existing individuals. Mark Fisher reproduces the exact same behavior he is allegedly against. Aaron and Jamie brought this up earlier. There's a lot of mentions about Facebook posts, things that on Twitter, uh, criticism people bring up towards Russell Brand and also Owen Jones. Okay, but who are these people? I'm sure he read some of this, but he doesn't quote from it. He doesn't name names. And I'm sure at the time, you know, naming names is difficult. And, of course, that's fine. But you could use a discussion that you yourself had with somebody, which I also kind of, now that I think about it, a little little suspicious. You know, he doesn't mention anything that he had a discussion with somebody about about a disagreement with, with someone. He's just saying, he's just seeing people's statements that are out there in the wild. On the internet, and doesn't make a very uh, effort to concretize and actualize what he means. You know, th- th- this emphasis here on the real, the concrete, the specificity of what these things that Fisher is claiming is not a marginal. It's not a marginal thing that I'm pointing out. And I, bears elaboration on my part. You know, without a close reading of the text of people who he wishes to critique, you know, what are they actually saying? This is Simply absent a critical method, you know, without a close examination and familiarity and presentation of what someone is saying or what someone has written, that is not <clears throat> that is not a critique. It's something else, but it's not a critique. Critique requires uh, being so close to to a subject that to almost embody embody it, but ultimately still having a criticism of it. I would argue that from a dialectic point of view he is doing what people are bringing up of like he's, he's like negating and um, kind of what I brought up earlier about in the individualism in our society you know Jamie brought this up extending that argument of basically he's basically telling people individualizing what needs to happen with people need to be nicer to each other or police themselves and It's like okay but we live in an individual society we all everything that we all do is predicated on do your own thing, and and uh, and watch your behavior, and you know everyone be on their best behavior, kind of attitude and social uh, relations. But you know that you're just you're negating, you're just you're just presenting the, the existing reality, and you're presenting a negation of it. But you're not actually uh, overcoming the reality of 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 our society. You know the, what we as Marxists are interested in, because we're interested in the the fundamental core of the root of the problems and structure of society is that we, we want the negation of the negation. We want to, we wreck, if, if we know that our society is atomizing people, we don't say, Oh, you should pick yourself by the bootstraps from that point of view. And then do without what you will do you negate that negation of being, no, you must, we must come together and collectivize and organize together. Um, I, I I want to mention uh, before I go to this fourth critique, which I think is the biggest flaw in the argument, um, is that the structure of this. Uh, this is my third criticism. The structure of the vampire's castle heuristic that Fisher presents, I, I I have to mention, is shockingly similar to the argument mentioned more and more by reactionaries, and was coined by Menschel Moldbug, which is another one of these like alt right, dark alignment oh, oh well. people. That of like the cathedral, basically the cathedral. If you don't know what it is, is the, the all right people say it's it. There exists some nebulous uh, uh, people in academia in the media uh, that are pushing social justice issues, but really are to disciplining society. And I'm not saying these are the exact same argument. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the structurally they are very similar. And what is important to focus on is there is a perpetual reference. Because, again, to mention before, because Mark Fisher is not being concrete on specific individuals, specific organizations, specific statements, or things that have been said by people that are attached to real people, not some imagined person, there's a perpetual reference to some vague other, a they, that is imposing itself onto society. And um, you know, I, I I I think it's important to focus that 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 is a concerning path. Uh, we, if you take that fully and you just take it to a logical conclusion, is a bit of a concerning uh uh logical sequence of of, of thoughts. Um, but we can put that to the side. I just think it's important to mention that that structurally it it's I think is problematic. Uh but finally, I think the biggest flaw was the argument as uh, as the text itself, in my opinion, is that I think Fisher is mistaken. The symptoms of atomization and alienation for the actual phenomenon. You know, mm. obviously, people who are alienated and atomized are not going to be in the best behavior they can. They're, they 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 lack socialization. They, are you know, just from a Purely from their needs, they they need more socialization as a as a you know as a human as a as a biological specimen, right? It's like they need all humans require socialization. We need to be around others continually. So if you if you're lacking that, then you're not going to necessarily be one acting your best, but also know how to act your best, but also understand when you disagree with somebody that necessarily doesn't entail a a aggression towards somebody that there are that that you know psychologically there's this phenomenon called splitting you know we have to understand that people contain good and bad we can't just automatically split and think oh no if they're not good then they're bad and so we have to reckon with that and we have to deal with that reality and so by focusing on the symptoms you're i don't i kind of what i said before there is not enough focus on how to Resolve that. So, and I also think that the manner of which Fisher talks about the working class is a bit essentialist. Uh, in many ways, like, likewise with the vague entity he criticizes. Again, I say vague entity because he's just the identitarian left. And it's like, okay, well, who, right? It's like, so, you know, the quote here, the VC as dupe servants of the ruling class does the opposite. It pays lip service to solidarity and collectivity which always acting as if the individualist categories imposed by power really hold. And I think this is like what I mean by the essentialist point. And, you know, Jamie and Aaron brought this up earlier, the entire problem of these, he says the individualist categories imposed by power, the problem, the entire problem is not that they really hold the problem is that they do in fact really hold, you know, a race, a gender, all these things, all these methods of uh, oppression are, are do not you can there there in some things like say gender, there is some fluidity, but say for instance um race, there really yeah. isn't no no choice. Like,
2: yeah, can I can I just, uh, Jorge, just to like clarify your point. Underscore, yeah. we talked about this on the phone, um, and I'll talk about it more too. I didn't realize that uh, I probably should have uh, uh, went through all my points, but I, there is some tough stuff I actually want to wait to bring up with you guys. But um, real quick, before you uh, yeah, let go, let's go on, Jorge. Like, you know, racial capitalism, right? Like the fact that like I am black, right? Like, and my identity, right? It does matter, right? And it does hold because I am oppressed materially based on that identity it's not just, like, some idea that somebody put in my head to make me feel bad about myself, you know? But, I mean, you know, Fish is a white guy writing this, right? So I would expect I would expect some, some shit like this yeah. from him. But, yeah, that's a that's a good point, Horry. Right? Yeah, a white British guy. A, a white British guy. Yeah. A posh guy. He's the guy that he's essentially the people— We talked about this earlier, but he's the person that he's railing against, essentially, kind of, in a way.
1: Yeah, and, I mean,
0: to be— And, f- you know, even— if there is some fluidity in terms of gender, I would say that like most trans people would not right. say that they chose to be trans. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they chose to come out about being trans. Um, but you know, they feel this way like deeply, deeply inside. And you know, they can choose to, to tell the truth about it or they can choose to hide, but it's not something they have a lot of control over either.
2: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. No, totally.
2: And it, and if they if they don't decide to come out, it's because we live in a society right. that that makes it not possible for that not even not makes it possible and discourages it. I mean, we will kill them if they do so. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so that kind of is like the the four criticisms I have about the text itself. Now I have two further ones about historically. You know, we're historical materialists, right? So and you know we're interested in using a method known as historical materialism. You know, ideas exist in history and the consequences of those ideas, you know, the ideas aren't just transhistorical, historical you know, and the consequences of those ideas affect the validity of those, art, of those ideas. So I think, like, you know, Aaron brought it up earlier. I do, th- I do think, actually, that uh, Fisher using Russell Brand in this almost hagiographical depiction of, like, does uh, the way how Russell Brand has turned out in the past few years does affect I think the validity of the essay you know if they were written a hundred years ago, and like early on socialists like you know were really in favor of say someone like Mussolini. Now I don't think Russell brand is like Mussolini. let' me be clear about that, but I think <laughs> I, but, I, but I, I, the reason the reason I bring it up is because there was a time when someone who was considered a socialist was that. And then turn and then change, and it's like, well, on the one hand, it's like, well, how could you have known? It's like, well, on the other hand, people were crit- criticizing Mussolini at the time as well. So it, it because history is developing, we do have to acknowledge that, and and I think it does uh, it does lead to kind of uh, him writing this essay is also has an effect in history. So it's like it's all together, right? It's all dialectical. You can't just, oh, well. Uh, You can't, that doesn't affect the argument. It's like, well, the argument was written in a specific period of time and then things happened after, which goes to my sixth point, sixth and last point.
0: Wait, can I ask a clarification question? Sure. How, what are you referring to in terms of how Russell Brand turned out? Because I know I was referring largely to him becoming like a Corbinista, but I feel like you might be thinking of other things on top of that.
1: Yeah, that's a fair point. People don't know uh, in the past few years, particularly since the lockdown of COVID, also Brand has become a, I guess the best we could say is a conspiracy theorist interested in uh, pushing anti-vaccine anti-COVID uh, beliefs, but then also continues down that kind of rabbit hole and
2: like a British like a British Jimmy Dor, but not even funny or handsome, you know
0: Hey, I think he's kind of funny and handsome.
2: Uh, Jimmy Dor. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. That's what. Oh, that's what. I, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah. You're or like, actually, yes. My bad. I fucked that up. I mean, to say like Jimmy Dore, <laughs> but handsome and funny. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, yeah. I, I was gonna I was say confused. you think
0: Jimmy Door is more than Russell Brand? Yeah. I was like, I was like, I was like what's up? <laughs> yeah. I was like,
1: interesting. <laughs> I, I was sharing earlier that my, you know, my my first exposure to Russell Brand uh, was uh, when I was when I was a teenager and being like, it was like, oh, he's the person that married Katy Perry. That's kind of cool like you know mm-hmm. teenage boy mindset right but it's like mm. but it's like so i don't I'm like i don't know if not handsome is a thing you could lo- lo- lob against you know of course beauty is subjective, but you know i don't think it's, it's eh,
0: gonna... he could get it <laughs> mm-hmm. he did. Uh, at he least it. in his you know in 2013 he could get it i don't know how i feel about the beard but uh you know, watching him do stand-up in leather pants. All right, I'll stop. I'll stop before it gets gross. Uh,
1: point, point being is, uh I think that's what I'm that's what I'm referencing. Appreciate the clarification, Jamie. About that, that's, that's what I mean by how he's turned out. And you know,
0: I guess the the Corbynism is really the least of our
1: concerns in terms of what he did later. No, yeah, Corbinism is fine in my opinion. I think it's a very respectable opinion to have given eh. the, given the time
0: compared to some of this other shit that you're talking about. Yeah, sure. I mean, if I have to choose between Corbynista Russell Brand and you know anti-vax conspiracy theorist, uh, you know, I know which I'd pick.
1: Regardless, um, going into the sixth point, which is tied to what I discussed with Russell Brand, is in the same vein, we have to judge what movements, organizations, and individuals have taken up the idea perpetuated in this essay as a foundation of their politics. You know, Jimmy mentioned some of these people earlier, and Angela Dengel is a good example, but also some uh, class reductionist formations that plague both the online, but really the real-life organized left. And this history has been kind of troubling because it, not like this essay, but also uh, some of the talking points in this essay either kind of either shifted or of an abstracted or been directly referenced point being their origins definitely come from this essay have been used to sideline and marginalize feminist race queer and disability uh issues in our in in our socialist movement that do matter in the quest to overcome capitalism and class society and i think that is troubling and i think uh on that alone i think it is something too that does bear a lot of weight on this essay in my opinion mm-hmm. okay i'm done for sure
2: so jorge i because it was interesting before i was leading up to recording because jorge and i in the group chat were kind of like uh uh going at it you know about this essay because i think he was very entrenched in his position more so than he even is and now than not liking it and i was like what the fuck are you talking about mark Fisher's the greatest <laughs> theorist like since i don't know but um one thing I agree with a lot of those criticisms, Jorge, but one thing that I'm bringing up as a discussion point that I should have added in my uh, my little monologue, but we can discuss it now, because um, I think this is a cogent point, man, is that, uh, where's it at? Is that Fisher says, quote, and you guys tell me if you disagree, he says, quote, the most lauded figures in the vampire's castle are those who have spotted a new market in suffering. Those who can find a group more oppressed and subjugated than any previously exploited will find themselves, oh, and subjugated, Hold up. Those who can find a group more oppressed and subjugated than any previously exploited will find themselves promoted through the ranks very quickly. Um, so on the one hand, uh, I think like in the wake of Trump and the 2020 uprisings, like how many left liberals, progressives, ostensible leftists have used anti-racism as a cash cow, you know, and elevating uh, and elevated in the public public spotlight for it. Like I'll use an example because Mark Fisher doesn't. Like, Ibram X. Kendi, the guy who does the anti-racism stuff, this motherfucker gives talks to, like, Wells Fargo and Bank of America. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, DeRay. You know what I mean? The guy who, like, is constantly wearing the... I mean, and these are people who... I mean, sure, I guess they would... I don't even know if DeRay would call himself— a Like, these people set themselves apart from the Democratic Party. That's the point that I'm making. They may be liberals, but they do make critiques of the Democratic Party. But they also use their identity and their position that they have to, I mean, frankly, like, clout, Chase. yo, know, and grift, and, like, enrich themselves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't think, though, that— um, and this is, this is per, uh, I can't pronounce his name, but I think it's Majis Kroll, which is a, um, uh, um, I'm not sure where he's from, but um, he is also I a leftist theorist who responded to Mark Fisher in 2013 with his own essay or article in the North Star. And this is per uh, his essay. He says, but quote, but even in such cases, right, where people use their identity, right, um, uh, maybe wrongly, but even in such cases, the purpose is to overcome oppression, not to maintain it. And the voicing through identity and the policing of its boundaries comes from a need to protect the humans that are the carriers of these identities in the pro structural sense, right? So, um, you know, later on, though, Krull says it's self awareness, right? This identity of, self-awareness of identity, even when wrongly expressed, is a potent weapon against the invisibility of some forms of the reproduction and rule of the society, and thereby a weapon, however blunt at times, against the true lord of the castle. Okay, I was with his criticism of Fisher up until this point because I thought about the black women who branded themselves as the founders of BLM, who were found last year to be using this money that was raised with all these little shell organizations they had made up that nobody knows where this money fucking goes to, right? They've been using it to buy houses and shit and enrich themselves. And when they were confronted, when when one of them were confronted uh, by this, I wish I had the quote, she claimed that these criticisms were racist and sexist. Yeah, I'm not really sure if her awareness of self-identity is being wielded as a weapon against the true lord of the castle here, right? You know what I mean? Like, I think that... Sure, there are people who are not being outwardly malicious, but I can't just say, well, Ibrahim X. Kendi is out there talking about anti-racism, so that's a good thing, even if he's doing it for, like, you know, um, ExxonMobil or some shit like that, you know? Yo, 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 I mean, yo, yo, these yo. are the ways yo. in which capitalist ideology recuperates, right, or co-ops ideas from the left. So I just wanted to put that out there, that point that I probably should have brought up in my monologue, because uh, I think Fisher is kind of spot on about that, right?
1: Yo, Aaron, I hear that. Yeah, I these, hear
0: that. I hear- these are...
2: Mm. I hear that, These Aaron? are
0: ideas that used to be dangerous, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like the we had an insurrection in this country that was mm-hmm. led by young black proletarians, but it was a multiracial uprising. Mm-hmm. And you know, practically as soon as it started, there were efforts by capital to recuperate it, to neuter it, to co-opt mm-hmm. it, and to pretend it never even happened. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, this is a real phenomenon, and it cannot happen without self rep- self appointed representatives of these oppressed groups saying, okay, and that's why we need, um, you know, social democracy or whatever they're selling. I mean, social democracy is like, you know, probably the nicest thing that I could say about this, like sort of NGO ified NGO uh, industrial complex. And some of these people think they really are doing the right thing. Uh, mm-hmm. but that doesn't really matter because that doesn't change the purpose that it serves in the end. You
1: yeah, know, I hear all that. Mm-hmm. Look, mm-hmm. stop pocket watching.
2: <laughs> <laughs> stop pocket watching, stop hating. I need to get my look, own Griff look, going. On, look, right? look, look, look. <laughs> you Look, you're just you're just
1: hating because you're not getting paid. That's it. That you're stop pocket watching. You know we so look it, I mean it,
0: that's not the only reason. Abram X,
1: X candy. Came out with Anti-Racist Baby, children's book in 2020. You know
2: what? That's baller. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> see, but this is the shit that I'm talking about. But at the same time, though, and we talked about this, Jorge, the the, the fact that Fisher is, like, making these people out to sound like, okay, and i sure that online we know people like this that are, like, I mean, outwardly, like, malicious, purposefully so. But, like, I mean, I don't know, man. I don't think the Black Lives Matter ladies like, went out there to rip off black people, right? You know what I mean? Like, I think that, like, they were incensed about something, right? Like, you know, didn't really start this movement, but they were branded as the starters of it. And then something that you said, Jorge, you know, instead of diagnosing the symptom, instead of the actual cause, it's like... I don't know where these women came from, right? I'm assuming maybe like, maybe I don't know, maybe petite bourgeois. Maybe, I don't know, I'm sure they went to college and they're highly educated, but like still live under capitalism, right? I mean, I wouldn't do some shit like that, but like I could see how like somebody would be like, hey man, like this is more money than I've ever seen in my life, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm gonna like do shit with it. I think it's despicable, especially for those causes, but like, you know, like maybe conceptualize and contextualize it instead of calling these people... Vampires, right? That's some real gangster shit. I I I, 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 <laughs> I, I,
1: I, respect it from like a purely like, damn, you have the audacity to really do that. But
0: yeah, you really we have the audacity. The to do that. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Well,
0: I think it ties back into capitalist realism, right? Mm. Ironically enough, um, nobody, Mark Fisher included, right? I mean, I think it's very clear. Mm -hmm. That he is trapped in capitalist realism as much as anyone, which Mm -hmm. is what makes it so sad. You know, just because he's able to point it out doesn't mean he's able to overcome it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these folks as well, they are not tied to a, a party like, say, the Black Panther Party that has, like, real organizational discipline, that has political education, that says... You know, the only way to help Black proletarians and actually all proletarians is to overthrow the capitalist system, which is a thing that can actually be done, mm-hmm. right? They don't have that, so why should they believe that? Why shouldn't they just try to, you know, take something nice for themselves, uh, if nothing else? Yeah,
1: yeah, just, just get, yeah, just get it. Look, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, let them get in their bag. Like, it's let just them, <laughs> let
2: them get the bag, yo. Uh, Also, can I bring up another thing too For a discussion point as well Because um, this is actually a criticism of Fisher Um, You know, when he talks about like Sexism, sexist comments don't equal misogyny Like... Okay, like I do think that's true. Like, you know, I've like, you know, been uh, I've been known to throw around the word broad before, you know. Um,
0: but like <laughs> I've never heard you say <laughs> that yeah, I,
2: online. Yeah, oh, I love saying that. I don't say that. I'm I do not say shit like that in like cuz it just doesn't like me saying broad. I mean, now I'm saying it's I'm like It's just
0: you know, funny cuz it's so old timey. It
2: broad. It's just it's a funny <laughs> word, okay? But like, you know, I think this is true, but like Yo, I can't imagine a socialist society or a culture where this is tolerated or encouraged, right? And, I mean, that's the ideal. The working class is messy. But, like, also, I was—and I was saying to you, Jorge, earlier, right? Like, yo, this is 2023. We have the resurgence of fascism, What fascism has always been here. But I'm talking about people that are, like, emboldened. We have a trans panic. You know, we have anti-Semitism that's, like, just, like, rampant. We, I mean, it's just like if right. somebody—
0: just sorry, just just loosen my collar a little bit when you said that last one.
2: Yeah, yeah no, I was, was just, like, oh, no, dude, it's just it's, but it's crazy, right? I mean, all of us here, right, are like like victims of like this, like creeping fash. But so it's like Mark Fisher, if somebody says something that probably in 2023, this is 2023, I know he wrote in 2013. But if somebody says some shit like that, like I would that would say that they're expressing who they really are. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's one thing to like, just like, you know, be a, quote, dirtbag leftist. And I do think part of the reason why the whole dirtbag left is a thing is because, I mean, I don't know. I know it came out of Bernie, but also I feel like he does have a point that leftist, in my opinion, can be very, like, serious minded. Right. And very there's no humor or levity, which is true in some ways where people will say, like, oh, well, uh, um, uh, like socialism isn't fun, you know? This is not a fun thing that we do, you know, you're supposed to like hate this shit. And it's like, well, dude, that is why would anybody want to be a part of this thing? You know, but at the same time, again, it's like, yeah, Mark Fisher, I don't know. Maybe that's something like that. The work that we as Marxists like have to like help activate within the working class. I don't want to like say like, you know, teach people and like sort of um, be paternal about it. But like, I don't know, man, calling people in, you know what I mean? And kind of, like, telling people, hey, man, that's not cool. But, like, yeah, like, I don't think that's something that would be tolerated or accepted. So I don't don't see why he continues to excuse Russell Brand's uh, sexism for that, you know.
0: Well, even Russell Brand, like, didn't think it was a big deal and was open to this kind of criticism, even though it wasn't done in a very nice or personal way. It Mm -hmm. was done on television by a guy talking to him. And still he was like, yeah, maybe they have a point. So like, it's just not as big a deal as this essay and the people who like it seem to make it out to be Mm -hmm. when you go into real world communities and spaces, right? Mm -hmm. Because most people don't wanna be assholes to other people At least, well, you know, obviously some people are jerks in certain situations. But, you know, if somebody has like the civic mindedness to show up in a leftist space, you know, there's always going to be some fucking cranks like Theochino or whoever. But for the most part, Mm. people want to make friends. They want to get along. They want to work constructively with other people. So if someone is like. Oh, hey, just so you know, you know, I don't really like it when you called me uh, abroad or or <laughs> darling or whatever. I'm sorry. You know, most people are like, oh, OK, I won't do it anymore. It's fine. Uh, like, I won't do it in front of you big, then. It's not a big <laughs> fucking deal.
2: <laughs> uh, no, like, Jorge, do you have anything to say about that?
1: Look, in all seriousness, I think that... um. Maybe Mark Fisher should have thought about logging off sometimes.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Dude, like, I mean, and, you know, this is why, like, I'm happy that we did this uh, uh, episode with the three of us because we all, like, you guys like it a lot less than I do. And on this rereading, you know, I I had to kind of step back and say, in my previous readings, why did I feel so strongly about this piece? And it was because I am heavily online, but I've taken a step back in like maybe a week or so, right? Like I'm not as much online anymore and I'm not as mad and I'm not as incensed because I'm not seeing not just the horrible news every day, but just the way that, I don't know, the online left expresses itself. And Mark Fisher, in the beginning, when he says, like, he literally says, well, I was about to disengage from politics. I'm like, motherfucker, you about to disengage from politics because you saw a tweet? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, is this like this is like the title of the Like, for real, like, what is your conviction then? How strong is your conviction to emancipatory politics if that's what it takes you? But again, he also, to be fair, this is a guy who had depression his, you know, entire life. You know, I'm that's I'm sure. That's not I'm sure. Positive. That's a very big part of it. But yeah, I agree. Jorge. Just like just log off, bro. It's not that cool. serious, man.
0: Online is, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's, and it's especially bad for people who are prone to, you know, addiction. Yes. I include myself in the online addiction part of that. Oh, um, for sure. But it, like, it becomes this, like, really negative feedback loop. Because the more you are addicted to it, the more online you are, the more... You get a certain impression of what people are like. The more mm. depressed you get, the more you seek that, like, fake hit of serotonin that you get from online. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't really know what the solution is other than to fucking log off, which is easier said than done sometimes. But not impossible.
2: Not
1: impossible. So um, so good. Well, I want to say, address something you said earlier, Aaron, about... Mm how most of the work working class not online. That might have been true in 2013. But I would, I would actually push back a bit, saying that...
2: Well, at least on... Can I say real quick clarification? I'm sorry. Can I clarify real quick sure. and say on Twitter? Because on true. Facebook, everybody's on Facebook.
1: Right. But I mean, I guess where, where, mm-hmm. I'm, where I'm getting to is like, mm-hmm. uh, this is where, interestingly enough, you would think that this essay would be more apt in a world where the vast majority of people, at least in the sphere mm-hmm. like the vast majority of people or not only online, use social media, right? Mm-hmm. And yet, it still is, like, less apt than it was. Like, it's kind of, like, it's, it seems kind of dated. And, mm-hmm. and, and and I think the reason has to do with, like, well, the more people are familiar with it, the more there is all... Because there is an element of, like, this this thing, this, like, this uh, phenomenon, this process, whatever this, like... Pandoras box that's open that we call the internet mm-hmm. like we're still dealing with it as a species we we're still understanding what this has been doing as an impact on us as like, like historically you know this historical period we're in that is definitely like there's a before and after the internet right mm-hmm. and so part of that is also collectively we're understanding uh what how to engage with things and it's like that's, that's why, like, you know, I, when I was in our discussion before the episode, I was saying, man, if Bark Fisher could not handle 2013 left Twitter, how, like, yo, you're not, you're not, you're not. You,
2: you, you can't you, be in the trenches, dog. You wouldn't be a poster. <laughs> you wouldn't be a poster, bro. Like, you know, you He doesn't have the heart of a poster, you know what like, I mean? Like, you wouldn't be ready for mm. it. Like, like,
1: there are people <laughs> who, you know, uh, uh, who say things online that are, that intentionally say things that are not true with Mm -hmm. the fact that they're making a reference to something else with the intentional fact that it's a joke. Right. And Mm -hmm. a lot of, and those people have a lot of following, you know, friend of the show, Juniper is one of the people. She does an incredible job at it. But at the end of the thing, she has a huge following because so many people are in on the joke. Right. But the thing is that to to get to that point of like understanding there, there are like layers and layers of like, Agreed upon social mores, right? And it's like, and 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 behaviors that we pick up over time, and no one teaches you this, right? It's like you gain it through experience and lived in like living it. So I think there's an element of like I think that I think fall, that, that element as well is where I think part of partially the essay falls flat, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. I think it's like, well, yes, but also I think what you're describing is also quite frankly, we're dealing with the fact that something that's never happened in human history is that not information is accessible to you instantly, but also Mm. access to anybody is immediate. Mm.
0: And it's via these platforms that are owned, privately owned by capitalists. Right. And they are engineered in such a way as not necessarily to promote a civil and productive discourse. right? Right. Like they're, Tweaking the algorithms to show you the people who piss you off the most because yep. they know that that drives engagement more so than you know some of the good stuff which I, I also acknowledge like I fucking met Aaron through Twitter yeah. that's pretty cool and to be, yeah, I but, met you guys yeah. but I gotta I gotta push back on the idea that most people are on Twitter I think well, that's true. I don't have the exact stats, but it's still a very small percentage of the population that's on Twitter. I no, don't I said know. that.
2: Not on Twitter, on Facebook, though. Not, I mean, I don't think anyone, not, I don't think the majority of people are either are on either of those, but I definitely know they're not. The not majority of people are not on Twitter. On Facebook, though, I, I don't know. I'd, I think I'd
0: be it. interested to see like I, what percentage of the population is on all the various different uh, mm-hmm. social media platforms. I think
1: platforms. Like 90% of Americans have a Facebook account, I think.
2: Yeah, that's like insane. But how many
0: that- actually use it? I feel like that's it's true. mostly just boomers at this point.
1: Well, I mean, I think, I think it's gone down, but I think those who are younger that, do- that have an account or have had an account but don't use it, how many people do you know that's below 40 that is an active user of the internet, which, you know, everybody is, right, that doesn't have
2: any social media? Oh, bro, like nobody.
0: Not very many. So like, I, so
2: I know one weird guy who I think has bodies in his basement. That's right.
0: <laughs> but,
2: but, <laughs> but,
1: but, but I mean, my, my point here is like, I think it's a, uh, I don't think it's like a,
2: oh, I'm really online
1: thing to say. Like, no, I think most people like in at least the United States and in the UK, the Anglo world, but I would say just the Western world definitely are not just only online. That's a, a guarantee already. It's like electricity at this point like mm-hmm. they they have a, like they're interacting and involved with social media. Mm-hmm.
0: So mm-hmm. then wouldn't that mean that it is more of a real problem what he's talking well, no, about uh, how uh, we interact online? Well that's that's mm-hmm. what I was that's what
1: I was getting at. It's like you be, because there's more people and yet I still think that it's less relevant than it was before and I think it has to do with I uh, that is, is that Fisher's not engaging enough with I think the Part of it's like the atomization and the, in, in the, in the, in the uh, alienation. But also part of what I said earlier was we have to deal with like we as a species are dealing with like the Internet as a phenomenon. But, you know, one of the few things I'll say that I agree with Fisher on is near the end of this essay. He does say that we need to think very strategically how to use social media.
2: And really? You you agree with that part? Because that's the part I was just about to say. that. I don't want to cut you off, but that's the part. It's funny because we switched. Because when, when I read that, I was like, yo, shut the fuck up, dude. We need to log the fuck. No, there's no <laughs> way we are going to product use social media productively at all. But continue. I'm interested to hear what you're going to say.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just like, I think, well, part of it because, but he says like, that it's currently in enemy territory, be- dedicates to reproduction of capital, basically what Jamie was saying. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. he says here, Quote. This doesn't mean that we can't occupy the terrain and start to use it for the purposes of producing class consciousness. I mean, no. look, like just from what I know, uh, you know, anecdotally, but also just from from what I see, and also the way people, politicians, and uh, uh, you know, other figures respond to things that happen that are said on social media, it is somewhat true that it's like people do engage with information and change their opinion because they're interacting with things on on social media. I mean, like, we talk about QAnon. That is impossible without social media, right? It's like... Absolutely. So, clearly, people are radicalized in a direction of, like, you know, fa- fascism. I don't think it's crazy to think that people are radicalized in the direction of socialism or communism. So, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. clearly, that is happening. I mean, like, eh, but... I that's what, So, I think I agree with Fisher in that sense, in that, that we have to strategically use it, but also reckon that this is not... We're on enemy territory. This is not on our side.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to I want to find a quote quote real quick because Fisher actually talks about um, um, uh, something that the right does uh, uh better <laughs> than the left. Um, um. Okay, here it is. He says that um, um, all right. Where 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 should I start this part at? So he's talking about uh, uh, John. Ackham-Fra's, uh installation, The Unfinished Conversation, uh, or his film, The Stuart Hall Project. Uh, great, uh, great uh, black British Marxist, uh, Stuart Hall. Um, but he says that the point was to have resisted identitarian essentialism. And, quote, instead of freezing people into chains of already existing equivalencies, the point was to treat any articulation as provisional and plastic. Um, and again, I know that I just said that we just talked about the fact that, like, uh um if you are black or if you're trans or if you're a woman, like these are categories that are not just quote identities, but they are sort of positions that you fill in society that are dependent um upon capitalist exploitation, right? Or capitalist exploitation is dependent upon that, right? But to continue, he says, sadly the right act the right act on this insight more effectively than the left does. Right. So like essentially what the right does is that they really do have a big tent, right? Like the right really can subsume people that are QAnon freaks, right? And the people that still think they're John Boehner or Reagan Republicans, which well, guess QAnon and Reagan are more similar than like not, right? But like mm-hmm. I do think like that's a good point. But I don't think that the way to do that though, and again is to kind of like, you know, yes, we need to have discussions and civil discourse, but also Like, I don't know, man, if somebody's being like an asshole or somebody's like being sexist or, you know, somebody's being racist, it's like, you can't just be like flippantly like, well, you know, the working class is not perfect. We can't punish people, right? Like these are like reproduced behaviors that I think people should realize. Because as you said, Jamie, I don't think most people want to do harm to other people. These are learned behaviors. And I think the best thing to do is not ignore them as learned behaviors, but see what the root cause is and problem is, you know?
1: Yeah, you bring up like, you know, like oh the working class is not perfect and it's like yeah that's definitely true. Um, yeah. None of us are perfect, but mm. it definitely is like you know the, the gradations even with that within that. Uh, but it's mm. like it's like oh well we can't be calling in everybody with like we, we can't be upset because of uh, this person said this and and then, but the natural question in my opinion should be like, well what did they say right it's like yeah the, it, it the concrete that's why I was mentioning before like the emphasis on the concrete and the actual mm. is like well. That does matter what, 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 well, what did happen, right? It's like, like there's like that, like that thing that's constantly referenced a lot is like as a joke from I think it might have been the boondocks where it's like, mm. man, what did he do to get, get them so mad?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Like what did he do? Uh, like it's just like, well, I mean like so if someone like it, it could be just like nothing and some, a lot of times it is, but okay, but like what did you say though?
2: Yeah. What did you do? Yeah. yeah, Would you actually say, um, you, there is one thing, uh, there's one more thing that I did want to bring up. Um, because I, again, I like this essay, I think more than the both of you. Um, and I think maybe we can all agree on this point. Maybe if we don't, that's fine too. Um,
0: but and again, I certain things about it just want to say. Yeah,
2: I, I like. Yeah, I, I like. I like. I like more than I more about it than I didn't like. But after talking to Jorge and both of you guys, listen, both of you guys, I do have more criticisms. Um, so thank you for that. But one thing we didn't really go into the laws, right? His five laws of the Vampire Castle, and um, you know, yeah, they just. I
0: very briefly summarized it in the beginning. You so. did.
2: You did. You did. Sorry they're,
0: if I missed some stuff.
2: No, they should be read. No, they should be reading this. They do the reading, right? Um, yeah. but like. The first one, um, I, I just want to touch on a few real quick, right? The first one is uh, individualize and privatize everything. Um, while in theory it claims to be in favor of structural critique, it in practice it never focuses on anything except individual behavior. Um, I don't just see this with liberals, right, who will go on and on about institutional uh, racism or systemic racism, but they never name the institution or system, right? Um, right. I see this also just on, like, the ostensible left Right. Like, I mean, how, what example can I, what can I think about? I mean, like, I mean, I don't know. I can't think of a really good example right now, actually. So maybe, maybe I shouldn't, I shouldn't dive into that. But I mean, I, I do think definitely, you know, sure liberals. or let me, give me a second real quick. Let me think about this because I, I, I feel like I've definitely seen people online before, um, 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 sort of chastise people for individual behaviors. Okay, I guess this is one. I know this is online, right? This is why, again, log the fuck off. But it'll be discourse maybe about cooking or restaurants, right? Like, there was left discourse, like, maybe last year, right, last year, about whether or not eating out was, uh was, uh was like, some bourgeois affectation. And a lot of people, or, like, smoking cigarettes, for example, right? Like, I think that, like— You know, I mean, ideally, I wouldn't want people to smoke cigarettes. Right. But instead of punishing people for individual behaviors, instead of saying like, oh, you're you, you think that people should have the right to kill the damage there and kill their bodies. Well, it's more like, well, why are you punishing people for individual behaviors? You know, like, why don't we look at a system of which why people pick up smoking cigarettes, why people feel stressed out, why it's so easy for kids to start smoking. But that's just an example right there. Um, Does that do that make sense? Yeah. I think
0: that's a good example when we are talking about, uh, Fisher mistaking the symptoms for the cause, right? Yeah. Like he attributes this sort of causality, this, uh, this primary causality, this, this driving, uh, you know, (laughs) he, he thinks that people being mean online is a driving factor of the bad stuff, the problems Mm -hmm. rather than a symptom. Of the problems, and there are a whole lot of things underneath it making it happen, right? And you know, we're Marxists, we don't just look at the outward appearances of things, yeah. we gotta put them under a microscope and examine them. So, maybe I mean, I don't have any like great solutions in the short term, but I do mm-hmm. think beyond just everybody doing better, being nicer. Or whatever. Or, you know, when you look at racism, it's good that people try not to be racist, obviously. Mm. I would Mm -hmm. never say that it's bad for you to, you know, try to be fucking civil to your fellow human beings. But, you know, we need to look at the underlying factors in the base that are causing these things. And the only way to really overcome all of this malaise and all of this... On we that drives people to behave the way they do is through collective overthrowing of the wage system. Bada mm-hmm. bing, and people get mad at me because it's like, oh well, what the fuck does that mean? Well, we have a whole podcast about what that means, so you and know, check it out. It.
2: And then you're listening to it. Um, right. But and, uh, uh, go ahead, worry. I ahead.
1: was just gonna say, but if you if you are interested in terms of like you know, how do you overcome the atomization? Join an organization. I will pitch the organization I'm part of, DSA, but join any organization that you feel is com- that makes sense for you. But it's really important to be part of a socialist organization, an anti-racist mm-hmm. organization, a feminist organization, queer rights organization, whatever makes sense for you and it's like mm-hmm. applicable in your area. You know, all politics is local. I I do believe that and I think that being and it's tied to this idea of logging off. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. And even if you don't really like any of the say existing socialist organizations right now, uh, I certainly have my critiques of all of them. There's also a little thing you can do called an affinity group. You know, Mm -hmm. get together, roll with your friends. Maybe you're more more interested in helping when the shit pops off. All right. If you're interested in helping when the shit pops off, well, there may or may not be that much you can do in between those times, but you can certainly go use the buddy system, you know, go when it's safe to do so help participate. I'm not going to get any more specific than that because <laughs> I feel like everyone's going to get mad at me for saying this. i um, not behind the paywall, but yeah, the point is you don't do it she's, alone. She's talking about the Super gotta, Bowl.
1: The Super Bowl is coming up next month. So that's what she's talking exactly, about.
2: Exactly.
0: Exactly. You know, it's time for us ultra leftists to form affinity groups and intervene in the Super Bowl and push it to its radical limit. <laughs> this,
2: this is right. This is right. Um, uh, that's, that's my
0: line, and I'm sticking to it.
2: <laughs> can I? Can I? Can I bring one more thing? That I uh, one more thing about one of the laws. Uh, and maybe this is not. Do
0: it. That's, this is that's not. That's my move. But go ahead. <laughs>
2: This is not, like, something that I feel like is super important. And, I mean, like, I don't even know what you do with this information, but it just resonated with me. Uh, the third law of the vampire's castle is propagate as much guilt as you can. Um, and, I mean, I don't know. I think I talked about it earlier about this, like, kind of defeatism, right, like um, that uh, that I see on the left. Um, uh, Mark Fisher uh, calls it uh, confidence is skepticism. This is what the vampire's uh, castle does. Um, but you know, I, I do think that like, not, I do think I know this man, like, like as a black dude on the left, I have white comrades who are very, very guilty or like, you know, not even comrades, right. But just white people in general, but I guess I should be talking about the white left. Cause he's talking about the left here and my friends, my comrades, your guilt is useless if you do not do anything with it. Right. It's not enough to make people feel bad that this shit sucks and that they're a part of it. Right. But if you are not, like, attempting to inspire people to action, or at least not wallowing in your own guilt, that makes you so inert that you can't fucking do anything. Or, I mean, mean, at best, I guess, annoying, right? Like, Like, literally, I've had white people, comrades, I'm saying, like, apologize to me about certain shit. And it's like, dude... You ain't you ain't you ain't that's, own no you ain't own none of my family slaves, bro. That's so cool. You know what I'm saying? Like you like you what'd you say, Jorge? That, that's
1: so cool. Like they're just like, Oh, I'm sorry that <laughs> this abstract group that I'm a part of did this I'm team. sorry
2: for the color of my skin. Like, all right, yo, you're not gonna catch me saying that shit, bro. But like, well, I mean, maybe
1: you should be sorry, and by do it, by the color of your skin and what you should do about it is put on some sunscreen
2: because I know y'all. Folks put on some need sunscreen, that. bro. <laughs> yeah, well, you can like, put on some shoe shine, Actually, is what you should. You know, do. If no, if they're no, really no.
0: sorry, they could give you some reparations. That's what some of these. Uh, how, right. how shall we say opportunists? Opportunists. I don't know. Kau-
2: Kautskis? Kauts- that's Kauts-
0: how, well, the folks you were talking about. Yeah, I would right? like call the them Kauts- People, Kauts- people Kauts- use Black Lives Kauts- 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 Matter Kauts- to make a lot of money. I feel like mm-hmm. yeah. that's respectful so to respectful They don't Kauts- feel Kauts- bad about doing that. Kauts- but importantly, you know, that does not constitute like real political activity. No, So just giving Aaron money, while it might be a good thing to do, um, does not is not a substitute
2: for Jamie, don't real physical activity. Don't be talking people out to give me money, Jamie. Yeah, what you doing, Matt? <laughs> this, this is what I'm you saying. You give Aaron
0: money, and then you do some other <laughs> exactly. things too. Listen, <laughs> exactly.
1: Listen, listen, I have been very consistent. Give everyone on that's listening. Go to Aaron's Twitter, and then go and go go give him money.
0: Or I, you? Know, I, I have been
1: the can... only voice on this episode that's been consistent about giving black people money.
2: <laughs> i wish or we were live i wish we were streaming you can, right now live they could hear this give me money now
0: you can <laughs> give money to a black person a mexican person and a woman all at the same time yes you can if you subscribe to this podcast the
2: irony That's is right.
0: not just awesome. saying
2: uh, uh do, do y'all do y'all have anything more to uh, add? Because I think I, you see, again, I had way. I thought I was gonna come in. I think Jorge, you 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 lived up to uh to your to the expectation. You did come in uh, guns blazing. I think that like I shouldn't have talked to you earlier because I think you dulled me. You know what I mean? You softened <laughs> me up a little bit, like was a little like doughy boy. I was like, okay, like Jorge, you got no, but like um, <laughs> I, I don't I don't have any <laughs> I don't have any more points because like you know there were certain things that I agreed with. You know um. And then, like, listening to you guys, I was like, well, actually, like, yeah, like, his analysis of class, like, his Russell Brand, his praising, Jamie, you put that kind of perfectly, right? Like, and you did too, Jorge. Like, he talks about class as if it's something that you're just born with, you know what I mean? And, like, if that's the case, then I guess he's not a Marxism because he doesn't believe in, like, the working class abolishing itself and class itself because you can never divest From your class, you know what I mean? Your, 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 your class roots. So I don't know. That's a.
0: Again, that's capitalist realism, which is ironic because he talked about it. But you know, that doesn't mean that he's immune from it. I mean, we're all subject to it on some level, but we have to somehow, whether it's by our own imaginations talking to each other organizing with each other again you got to you got to do this together folks that's a really good cure for it we have to see a world beyond what we have we have to see a world beyond class where class is not a category where race loses its social meaning and power all of these things it sounds crazy like i feel crazy talking about it myself sometimes but you know part of my mission as a Leftist media person or whatever is to talk about these things until they don't seem that crazy anymore and to talk about them get lots and lots of really smart people together to talk about them with me. Yeah, so hopefully that will do more than nothing. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm like very honest about the limitations (laughs) of that, but um, you know, I'm certainly not doing this for the money. Although you should still give us money. So, you should, you should. if you, should. you know, if I really didn't think there was any power in what we're doing at all, if there was any potential there, I would be doing something else.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, Aaron, you, know, you you thought what? I came in gun bla- guns blazing. I thought I softened my stance significantly. I mean, you, you, I, you, you did. I, I listen, if we had recorded this the day I read this essay, I would have been like, the only good thing about this essay is that it ended.
2: That it ended and it's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, it's like it's just like I think that Fisher, you know, he just misses like you said, Jorge, misses the mark in a couple ways. One one of which again, people should also we should include in the show notes the uh critique, right? Yeah. Um that you sent me as well. Um I think that just, you know, it's the vampire castle analogy is also pretty bad, but also like fundamentally I think Mark Fisher is conflating the anti-capitalist left and liberals and progressives. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I think in 2020, the uprising, I, if, if I had read this around then, while this multiracial, like, you know, eh, cross-class, but working class, you know, led by, like, the black working class, but multiracial, if I had read that when I saw—if I read this when I saw that happening— I probably would have had even more criticisms, right? Because like I think it showed that people can recognize identities and these this identitarianism while also understanding how it intersects with class. Yeah. And that galvanizes people even more so. Yeah. I gl- because, you know what I mean? and They understand their own maybe kind of uh, wrong in this chain of exploitation, right?
1: I'm glad you brought that yeah. up because I, I think that to me is like why I found this essay so strange to me. Because it's so mm-hmm. like... For, uh, it, like the, the origins of the politics here are so foreign to my own. Like the ones that I currently have. Because like, you know, I've been very open about... Uh, maybe not on this podcast, but you know, to people... Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever you go to a DSA event, sometimes the thing you share is like, oh, how did you first be part of DSA? And I'm very open about the fact that the reason I joined DSA and heard about it was because AOC won. And it's because, mm-hmm. oh, the Latina that was identified as a socialist that was part of the organization. It's like, oh, what organization is this? I'll check them out because this, this happened. And, you know, why I, I ultimately have a soft spot to, like, this electoral politics because ultimately it is the way that a lot of people engage with it because Mm. including yours truly, how I became involved with this politics. So I think, and so I bring it up, I bring up that kind of, you know, personal story because I think it is real, right? You know, mm. it's not, not yeah. it's not like some thing that you just put on. It's like, well, these are labels that got put on you. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now you're a full-fledged communist and you can understand the shortcomings of AOC's politics. It's a yeah. pipeline. Yeah.
2: Uh, that's
1: a AOC is um, our supreme
2: commander. I
1: don't know what you're talking about. <laughs>
2: um, but yeah, uh, but yeah, man, I, I think that people should too. If 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 you were like if you're like Jorge was, if you're like how Jorge was earlier before I talked him down a little bit uh, in, in in the in the chats, um, you know, if you didn't like this piece uh, for whatever reason, which is fair, I still think that people should check out some of Fisher's other work. Especially um, capitalist realism You know, we're eventually going to cover that But also to Ghosts of My Life um, I've used um, his introductory essay On hauntology The whole thing is about hauntology um, Most of it And I've used that introductory essay For a piece that I wrote Um, So uh, it has the the, uh, the Aaron stamp of approval But I think people should uh, I think Fisher uh, Missed the mark in this essay But I, I do think that One thing that he did very well Was sort of Describe this ideological malaise that we're in right now, and that the left is in, you know. Um, But you know, with some flaws as a British white dude, you know what I mean. So uh, take take it with a grain of salt. But um, for listeners, definitely check out. mm -hmm. For listeners,
1: uh, what I had said to Aaron when I when I first when I said to Aaron and Jamie earlier before Mm -hmm. this episode, before you know, I had a conversation with Aaron that kind of mellowed me out a bit. What I had said Mm -hmm. was, "This is the first time I've read Mark Fisher." And this makes me never want to read anything Mark Fisher's ever, ever re- re- wrote aside from
2: this because he said Aww. it, folks, he said it, folks. <laughs> so, but you know, what? after you said that, I was like, yo dog, <laughs> I've like, cause I've been reading a lot of fiction. I've read shit from like writers that I've been introduced to for the first time in yeah. like an anthology. And I'm like, I will never read anything about this person ever again. So I actually, I could understand that impulse that you had earlier. Yeah. And I mean uh, like,
1: you know. uh, would, would I, would I, would I, in actuality, would I read something else? Probably. But mostly because out of the respect of um, you know, people like yourself, Aaron or Jamie or other people who have gone positive things out of Mark Fisher's writing. But because I've never, like, I have my developed politics independent of Mark Fisher and I've never been exposed to his writing before. It doesn't have a significance in my head aside from what people have said. So that's why my emotional reaction was what it was. But I'm willing to change my position. I'm, I'm open-minded.
2: Yeah, yeah, we gotta we gotta check out. uh, We gotta do capitalist realism. Um, so
0: I'm I'm down, even if he's not a Marxist. We're gonna study a number of non-Marxist thinkers on this show who are nonetheless influential and interesting. Stay
2: tuned. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. uh, Last thing, last thing. (laughs) Uh, you know, we have a what comes next. Uh, you know, usually we talk about we've talked about the text. We kind of uh, group discussion. Um, what we thought about it, but um. The what comes next part, you know, as a as a uh, as a call to action. Um, Mark Fisher ends the essay saying that we should uh, learn to use social media responsibly. Um, I'm going to my call to action is like because I've been offline again. I've been online, you know, past week, but a lot less than I usually am. And log off as much as you possibly fucking can, yo. You know what I mean? Touch like, graph. yeah, it's a tool that we can use, but it's also a tool where the channels of communication are going through the fucking pipelines of, like, multinational corporations. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think that, like, like socialism, you know, has existed before social media. And hopefully it will happen, in you know, in spite of, actually, social media, right? And yeah. it's uh, completely corrosive uh, capabilities, right? On just, like, yeah, fucking it- human life.
0: At which point, you know, after we win, we can then decide collectively as a society if we think it would be helpful to build perhaps a new version, a public version, publicly owned version of social media to keep in touch with our relatives who are far away, or if we should maybe just, you know, press the off button on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. We'll see. That's not a decision that I can make for everyone. So, uh,
2: look, look, TikTok right now is the model, right? That we should know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not even on TikTok.
0: I don't even know how to look at a TikTok unless it's on like Twitter or Instagram.
2: I've never went to the website or download the app. So, like Jorge, like you sent me a TikTok before and I'm like, shit. Do I have to download the app to watch this shit? But thankfully, though. No.
1: Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm over here like using TikTok every day. Developing advanced brain warmth from the Twitter ones.
0: <laughs> Making up dances.
2: Yo, all right, this is really off topic. i just, just like, close it out. Just like, this a little witty bed draw. I was all watching like the news today. I've never watched the fucking news. And like, they were talking about like TikTok and like how the Chinese Communist Party is like, and I'm just like, dude, shut the fuck up, man. Like, oh my God. No, yo. That, that, that's exactly like, why not-
1: I'm, I'm pro TikTok for that reason.
2: Yo, exactly. That's why I pro-TikTok, So, I'm like, what 90-year-old doesn't have a fucking Facebook? You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, dude. you talking about TikTok ruining kids' brains. Real like talk that but anyway,
1: Conservatives are just mad. People are mad about TikTok that the Chinese have... A, they're a social media company that, guess what is, For once, a non-American company is... Beating the Americans at their own game in, in terms of tech, so yeah, they, they are. They're just big mad about that. I'm sorry, bro. Like they just played the game, and it's just better at you in this one specific way.
2: Stop pocket watching, like you said earlier. Yeah, stop, stop pocket, pocket watching. Watch. Like stop. pocket ex- watch exactly. Mark Fisher, stop pocket watching.
1: That's why right. I'm I'm a dangus. Stop pocket watching is my <laughs> philosophy.
2: <laughs> Yeah, that uh,
0: is, that really is the crux of many of our disagreements about all of these things.
2: Pocket <laughs> well, it's, <no> pocket.
0: <laughs> it's the pro or anti pocket watching nexus.
2: I, I, yeah, that's true. It really is. Yeah, it's like a it's like a, a compass. You know what? Well, you know what? Uh, too uh, also too. Uh, 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 I mean, I, I'm 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 happy that uh, we we because again, I like to it, be clear, it listeners. Actually-
1: I am not in favor of what the BLM founders did. I want to be very clear about that. That's a good joke. <laughs>
2: Nah, it's just getting the bag. But like, um, but yeah, I guess I have nothing else to say. Let me stop rambling. Um, I, I liked I like doing this with y'all, man. Cause I liked it the most. Jamie, yeah, and then Jorge, but we all sort of synthesized and like I ended up critiquing it more than I ended up praising it, which I thought was gonna happen. So
1: I gave it praise. I gave one praise.
2: Yeah. You thought it ended? Why did I end it?
1: no, the the social media thing, I think he made it yeah, big, the social he, media he thing, yeah, which point. I yeah. didn't
2: don't, which I'd actually I, I, I that's that's the worst point that he probably made in the whole. I was <laughs> <piece, you know? laughs> just like, what are you talking about, dude? Like you just literally talked about being so depressed that you wanted to like drop out of left politics, like you should log off. But anyway, Aaron, we usually agree he's a not lot. able to do that We're anyway, just.
1: We're just two shit. ships in the night, just totally like not not in sync on this one.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's okay. Yeah,
1: it's yeah totally yeah. fine.
0: I was going to bring up some of the anti vax stuff that Jorge talked about, but I feel like that's a whole other episode. Uh, other than just to say, you know, people are fucking complicated. Yes. And I do think conspiracy theories are often uh, appealing to people when, again, they're afflicted with capitalist realism. They do not see a revolutionary way out of all this shit and you know your mind turns a little strange when that happens and you're looking for you're looking for explanations that uh, you're looking for explanations you're looking for solutions I mean people call conspiracy theories social Jamie are you shooting your
1: shot right now to Rothel Brand Uh, am I I what now (laughs) shooting your shot to Rothel Brand right
2: now
0: my shot. Yeah, shoot. you
2: shooting your shot to Russell Brand, like I was oh. shooting my shot to RB. Oh, Puzzle. I
0: mean, look, if he wants to come on this podcast, <laughs> and then no, no, Jamie,
2: I'm putting my foot down. If no, he no, wants I'm to
0: come on, no, uh, obviously he's invited. Um, if if he wants to have me on his podcast, you know, I'd be happy to go as a rep- representative for all of us, and then you know, maybe maybe I can fix him.
2: <laughs> Maybe you can fix him. I doubt it. I, right. We'll see. Uh, I, I, People I,
0: are complicated. You know, the conspiracy I, shit. We'll talk about it later.
2: Talk about it later. All right. Well, I guess... Uh,
0: it's I not guess- all bad. It does not all come from a bad place, is all that I'll say. Well.
2: No, no. I mean, like, I think Jamie, like, Jamie, I think we are trying to say to you is just like, well, you did say, like... You know, like the world's weird and complicated and confusing. And sometimes people seek, uh, they seek explanations that, uh, you know, like sometimes it's, uh, you know, they're reptilian alienoid people. Other times it's the Jews. Uh, they're Neither of them are pretty good at all. But uh, I think there's a way around that. You know what I mean? I think that well, there's a real conspiracy afoot.
0: I mean, they're right that you can't trust the government. They're yes. right about that. They just get a little bit, you know, they lost write about in the, the lizard people too. Yeah. Shh. 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 Don't tell. Don't tell them the real truth. But anyway, yeah, I feel like we've had a very fun discussion. I'm proud of all of us for, you know, being comradely and remaining friends. Maddie's making noise in the kitchen. But uh, that's all right because he's cleaning up after me. Uh, I was,
2: after this episode, I was like, Jorge and I will never be <laughs> friends again. I'm about to leave the fucking podcast, yeah. bro. <laughs>
0: this is uh, this is what happens when you have comradeship, you know. Exactly. You are friends. members of a group together. You, you know, maybe not an official group, but we're we're a group. We're a trio. This is what happens when you uh, you are friends and you trust each other. You can disagree and it's okay.
2: That's right. Just like Mark Fisher wanted, boom, we just proved his point. <laughs> Bam, Jorge. How you feel about that? I'm kidding. I'm just <laughs> All right. Well.
0: All right. Well. On that note. <coughs> <laughs> I
1: really expected to come back. Time. I'm happy I got the last word. Yes. All right. Until, until next, next time. <laughs> do the reading.
0: Do, the, do reading. the reading. I won. Do the reading. White-on-white tramps on sun-black-capes Back on the rack Bela the goose is dead The bats have left the bell tower The victims have been bled That velvet lines. The black box Bela goose is dead
2: is dead.